Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 265 for Monday, October 2nd, 2023. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixelriffs, and joining me, as always, is Joel Two Beefs Duggan. Hi, Joel. <laughs> two? Only two beefs? I mean, that's what you said we... at the top of the, the render distance. You were like, I've got two beefs, and I was like, right, oh, really? we're, we're going to hear them. Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, normally, last words. normally you talk about what you've been grilling, so I was, I was wondering if it was going to be food chat, or was it going to be streaming TV chat, and it turned out to be the latter. It, it did end up being streaming TV chat. And if you would like to hear more about the various services that we are battling with as consumers and trying to figure out where things are streaming, when things are streaming, why things are streaming, how things are streaming, then you should check out the Render Distance. That's the extended version of the program. If you are a patron at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks, then you get access to extended audio every single week. Uh, we do a pre-show and a post-show. The post-show is usually a little extension about what we've talked about during the podcast, but the pre-show is very often kind of what Johnny and I have been up to. And it's a great way for us to kind of like shake out the cobwebs on a Monday morning and get the show rolling. Uh, it is the first episode of October. So a big shout out and thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support the show and contribute to our discord community. You are fantastic. And Johnny and I really, really appreciate your support. This month's chunk mail dispenser, which is something that was unlocked by our patrons, will likely be postponed because the show is immediately scheduled for after Minecraft Live. So we're probably going to be talking about Minecraft Live and then we'll push the chunk mail dispenser a little bit later in the month. The September 2023 monthly Minecraft Hangout happened this past Saturday, September 30th. That has been published on the Patreon page for patrons only. If you are using the patron only RSS feed, it probably just showed up in your um, podcatcher of choice. And there are, of course, uh, show notes linked in the Patreon post and in our Discord. So you can go back to the live chat, see the images that Johnny and I were talking about. That's where we hang out and talk with our uh, patrons about what they've been building in Minecraft. Had some very, very cool stuff this month. So don't miss that. The quarterly hangout will be later on this month. Again, the date is going to be determined because of Minecraft Live and our schedules this month. Uh, we will let everyone know in the Discord ahead of time when the quarterly hangout is going to happen. And of course, Minecraft Live, October 15th. We will be hanging out on Pixel Riffs on Twitch, on Johnny's Twitch channel to cover that live. We'll do like a co-stream as we have done in years before. Uh, we'll have a live chat and we'll be watching the event as it unfolds. It's going to be a month of milestones, it feels like. Uh, we've obviously got a lot of big stuff coming up on the calendar, and so I've decided to hit a few milestones in the Minecraft Survival Guide this week. I have been to the Deep Dark, I have done a Pillager Raid, and I have been to the End, defeated the Dragon, and found an End City. So that's been my week. Uh, it's been a productive one. Um, I haven't touched the Ancient City in the Deep Dark yet, but I got some Skulk Blocks and messed with the Warden a little bit. Got to introduce those concepts to anybody who has missed out on the Wild update or anybody who is still fresh to the game for this most recent update. And yeah, I, I skirted around the Warden a little bit. I was trying to like zoom in on it from a distance, even though I didn't have a spyglass. So I did a little bit of like shifting of my FOV to get a closer look at the Warden. Because the problem is, if you want to get up close to the Warden, A, you're putting yourself in danger, and B, everything around you gets very dark. So it's kind of difficult to really talk about the Warden at close range. I also feel like I want to whisper every time I'm around it, which might not be good uh, presentation audio. Um, but yeah, I've been throwing myself at the most dangerous stuff in Minecraft, uh, having done the Pillager Raid as well. 
Although I'm still playing on normal difficulty, so it was doable. You don't get as many waves in normal difficulty as you do on hard. Um, so I didn't end up doing too much to protect the village. I found a village just in a, a savanna biome, completely unrelated to any villages that I'd actually been working with. Uh, so it would be fine if the population ended up getting taken out by the pillagers, but in this case I managed to defend them. Got my first totem of undying from an evoker, that kind of stuff. And then finally... Uh, because episode 50 was coming up. I thought that seems like a decent milestone on which to do the dragon fight. So I, I did that. The end city was probably a few hundred blocks from the portal, and I found it pretty quickly, and it was one with a ship and basically nothing else. <laughs> so I ended up, uh, you know, just getting an elytra, a couple of loot chests in the front of the ship, but no, you know, massive tower, no branching pathways and, like, multiple layer kind of tower sections. So... Uh, yeah, it, it took me a little while to find a couple more after that, which is going to pop up in an episode later this week. I got my Elytra, I've returned to the overworld, and I think the next thing is going to be giving everybody a flying lesson for people who are less familiar with Elytra and want to avoid smashing into the side of buildings. I have caught my cheek on many a thing jumping around West Hill with Elytra. Uh, I think I'm in the clear and I think, you know, I should be better at this by now. <laughs> but sometimes you just get impatient as you, you forget something in your sword system and you fly back to get it and you're kind of zipping all over the place, forgetting that you've made an entire city made out of stone, which is not the most friendly to your forehead if you're not paying attention. Um, so, I mean, the survival guide season four, right? I mean, you've beaten Minecraft. So what's next? <laughs> yeah, the end credits played. <laughs> I didn't end up skipping them. Um, I, I, I guess I've still got the win to fight yeah maybe we'll we'll right. stick around for a yeah, little yeah. bit longer maybe we'll fight a little bit longer we'll fight the wither yeah um of course i'm teasing uh yeah okay and I'm, I'm i'm looking forward to fighting the wither because the place that i know i'm going to be gathering wither skeleton skulls from is a fortress in a soul sand valley that does not have any interior structure to it so it's just a series of walkways covered in wither skeletons <laughs> so i'm i'm slightly apprehensive about how easy it's going to be to uh to, to get the skulls because i'm just going to be surrounded by mobs at all times but we'll we'll see we'll i, I think i'll manage somehow and then yeah I, I don't know if i'm going to rush into fighting the wither i'm just going to continue with the the high stakes stuff but then sooner or later we're going to have to talk about beacons and then we can start gathering more resources for larger builds and start farming stuff i think the first port of call is most likely to be a general hostile mob farm or at least a specialized creeper farm so i can have enough gunpowder to fly around everywhere right of course and then i think the next little while is going to sort of dictate the direction that i go with some of this stuff because if anything about the villager changes that we've had you know in experimental in the last few snapshots shows up in a bigger way at minecraft live if they say hey we're announcing this whole sort of expansion to this area of the game then that's going to point me in a certain direction to like maybe i should hold off on doing too much more with like a villager trading hall or something until such time as those changes get put into effect i don't want to do too much that's going to be completely undone by the update but if there's enough buzz around certain topics maybe i'll shift focus to a couple of those to give people a bit of a, a preamble to what's coming up in the next update we'll see and I think that's really one of the strengths of having a longer running world for something like the survival guide is that like, you know, you can do, I mean, as you do tutorials, you can do tutorials on, Hey, there's a new update coming. Like, how do you prep for that? Like, what do you have to consider? What might you want to consider? You can go, you know, full hog on this, or you can, you know, be more reserved and dial back. We've had emails from different players over the last little you know while about how they approach an upcoming update and what that means with their Minecraft and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, when it comes to the dragon, I'm curious because we recently reset all of our end gateways on the Citadel. So we mm -hmm. don't have any. So if somebody wants to go get shulker boxes, they've got to fight the dragon right now. And we have got some longstanding aids in our uh, end arena, I guess, the main island. We've got a couple of end towers. We've got these end stone towers that allow you to get right up to the uh, end crystal height uh, on the different pillars and also uh, help you be just avoid the dragon in general uh, and get a better shot off if you want to shoot it with a bow and arrow. And so I'm curious, with the survival guide, do you have any plans to like fight the dragon multiple times now that you've done it once like do you have plans for unlocking more of those end gateways like does that factor into like do you want to go on a roll with all those pve stuff or do you kind of sprinkle it throughout the the season i don't think i'll immediately go back and fight the dragon a bunch of times i think now that we've done some of the end stuff we've covered the basics i think it's going to be time to step back from the end and do a bit more domestic stuff um but then I think I'll, I'll definitely go back and fight the dragon multiple times. Eventually, I, I want to follow in the footsteps of what I did with Season 1 of the guide, unlock all of the gateways, fight the dragon a bunch of different ways, like, you know, challenge myself to, to do right. stuff like throw TNT at it with a TNT cannon and uh, only fight it with explosives, use beds like the speedrunners do, you know, spend one session where you try not to land at all and you're constantly flying around battling the dragon in the air. Um, I want to steal some of the indestructible crystals from the respawn sequence, if that's still a thing we can do. I can't remember if that got patched ever or not. Um, but yeah, like there's there's some bits and pieces that I, I definitely want to do. But I'll sprinkle those in over the course of like multiple, you know, sets of episodes. It's It's not going to be all in one go. Because I think it's fun to save some of that stuff for later. And in this dragon fight, I deliberately didn't get some of the bonus achievements that you can get for the dragon fight if you bring certain stuff with you like i didn't have a spyglass so i didn't get the advancement for looking at the dragon with a spyglass i didn't bottle any dragon's breath while i was there i don't want to load too much information up front i kind of wanted to save that for future dragon fights so we can expand on that topic later well i'm on the fence about whether to do it all at once for us like rip it all off like a band-aid just get a bunch of server mates together and just try to rip through and, and get as much done as we can i mean we're in a different situation than a tutorial series yeah of course, yeah but for an established um, server i think it makes sense because you know yeah it, it's not so focused on the progression it's much more focused on utility for the players and not getting in the way of stuff people want to do right and one of the things that pushes me forward is that I've noticed as my building has been expanding and as the block palette expands, like I'm running out of shulker boxes. Like I, I basically have one utility shulker box that gets emptied and changed into whatever I need it for. But like, I would like to have a dozen of those. And I was going to go get some more and I thought, oh no, I can't. That would be half my stream fighting the dragon <laughs> to go get that done. Yeah. You know, and so uh, I think for us, I think it's going to be, you know, shulker box uh, is going to be one of the things that we we push for. Although I should say we do have a data pack on the server where if you put an Endermite on Purper, it burrows in and becomes a Shulker. So like right, we do yeah. have access to Shulkers if you want to put in the time. It's not fast. It takes a very long time. It's pretty mm -hmm. tedious. Um, but then they drop two Shulker shells and you can kind of go on. So I guess I could do that if I want, if I really felt like I was in a bind and the lack of Shulker boxes was hanging up uh, or holding up my building capability. Um, but I think that's one of the things that uh, I'm looking at now is is like thinking about how when I'm done with West Hill, the basement is currently my very large storage room with a lot of shulkers and like to the point where like it's multiple trips. I can't carry them all at once. And so 
I'm trying to figure out like what I'm going to do with all of these. Do I really need more or am I just like going to cause myself more grief in the, in the long run? And um, I think one of the things I'd like to do eventually is just have a lot of shulker boxes, maybe even with a shulker farm, which would be another way to avoid having to beat the dragon 20 times um, and, and have, whether it's in my future sci-fi location, whether it's in my swamp base where I currently have a, something set up, like I want a larger storage system that has a lot of shulker boxes ready to go. So rather than a chest of, of you know, cobblestone, it's going to be a chest of shulkers full of cobblestone. So I don't have to have chests upon chests upon chests of stuff. I don't know how to do that other than manually, but I th I'm pretty organized. I think that would probably be okay if I did it manually. I don't think I need to have a giant redstone contraption running in the background to sort things into shulkers. And I've seen them, they're cool, but like I would have to follow like a step-by-step -step tutorial and I'm not sure how well that would go on stream for content, but um, yeah. yeah, you know, because you've got the standard impulse SV system, right? You don't have I do, shulker yeah. loaders or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've uh, intentionally not built in any shulker infrastructure because we didn't have them at the time, and so it made no sense to make a tutorial for something that I was not going to tackle until much later. So I think I'll retrofit some of that stuff, and most likely it'll be like the garbage output, basically, all of the stuff that doesn't get automatically sorted ends up in shulker boxes and I can manually sort it more conveniently from there. And then maybe a shulker box input so that I can just dump off, like, when I've been branch mining or strip mining, whatever, just a bunch of resources go in the input. But, uh, yeah, that, that's going to take a little while. That's going to be, uh, you know, some time before I, I get to that stage. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's it's worth considering, but I, I totally recognize that you want to have something that works for you, something that's a bit more your speed and something that, again, makes for, for better stream content. Speaking of which, uh, what have you been up to on the Citadel these last few streams? So I took Thursday to finish up, uh, giant air quotes, the uh, wheat farm that I've been working on for the last, uh, I think it was the eighth stream that I did. Uh, and it's done as far as I'm concerned right now. There are some things in the wheat farm next to it that probably need some tweaking, but uh, it all, it's all contingent on a road that goes off into the distance that I'm just not concerned about right now. Like I have to remind myself as a completionist uh, and perfectionist in Minecraft that West Hill Valley will be an ongoing project, but the city of West Hill is really what I need to focus on. And so the approach to West Hill is part of that. And now that the wheat field is done, uh, I'm really happy with it. it. It has the effect that I want. When you enter West Hill Valley, you can see the main gate of West Hill in the distance. And you've got this big potato field on your right and this sweeping uh, wheat field on the left that goes across the river and up over the hillside as far as the eye can see. And it's exactly what I wanted. And it really makes the valley feel complete or at least thought of uh, for now. There are still some landscaping things that have to be done along the road, but I'm trying to move ahead to other things that are a little bit higher on the priority list. But I did really like some of the, uh, I, I want to say kind of fly by the city of your pants features. There was a weird little Minecraft puddle in the middle of where I put the wheat field. And instead of completely filling it in, I kind of moved it, reshaped it and create a little pond. And mm -hmm. then I used that pond to create like this irrigation ditch that kind of dribbles down through the different tiers and into eventually the West Hill River. And it's one of my favorite features of, of this little thing. I had no plans for it. I kind of just took the knowledge that I have built over the last three years of, of doing these kinds of things, you know, medieval Minecraft style and put it together. And you know, it goes back to refreshing your memory about just how useful things like update 13, you know, 1.13 was with seagrass and, you know, and then recently, more recently with waterlogging bushes, like you can really make a cool looking little pond 
uh, and have it look overgrown and lush and kind of like um, with uh, like algae on the bottom. Like it just, you can really make it look pretty, quite cool uh, and have little wooden bridges and using signs. I didn't use any wooden, uh, any hanging signs because they just, they didn't quite meet the vibe. The bridges were just a little bit too small, but if you had anything larger, you could probably use hanging signs as railings and get into all kinds of creative stuff. So that was a lot of fun to, to get done. Uh, and I'm quite happy with the result. It just took a long time and I need to be careful. I think, uh, as I'm coming up on three years now in West Hill, I really want to focus more on the things that are important and or adjacent to West Hill. So I'm still outside the city. There are a few things inside that need to be finished. Some of them have to be done last. Like, as I mentioned, the storage room under the keep, like that's going to be the very last thing that I finish because mm -hmm. right now I'm using it as, you know, as a utility room. Uh, but I started the East Road graveyard fittingly this weekend as we rolled into October yeah. and spooky season. And uh, it's not meant to be spooky, but I did kind of lean into the spookiness of it with some of the screenshots that I shared on Twitter. Um, it's coming together. It's still a work in progress, obviously, but I've approached it in the same way that I did the wheat field. You know, like I just used cobblestone and I uh, outlined it. Uh, I adjusted it. This empty patch of grass has been airmarked for a, a graveyard for a long time. And what I like about doing that is that as you walk by it, stream after stream after stream, you slowly kind of get an idea of like, yeah, I think I know what I want to do here. Like, I think I know where I want the gate to be. I think I know roughly how big I want it to be. And that's been really, really helpful in making something that wasn't too large. That's going to take me weeks upon weeks upon weeks. And also uh, something large enough that it feels like it has some history, that some graves are going to be older than others. That, you know, uh, I had a great suggestion from someone in chat about adding a crypt. And I thought, you know, I hadn't thought about that. But it does a number of things. It creates a landmark so that you can see the graveyard from different locations farther away. And I happened to just kind of do it at just the right scale where it I can put enough detail into it that it looks like one of those old ornate crypts, but it's not massive. It doesn't mm -hmm. have a roof that's 12 blocks tall and it doesn't overpower the east gate of the town, which is not a very big gate to start with. So I'm quite happy with the way that that's come out. Um, I still haven't finished the exterior wall, the, the uh, gate that I have entering the, um, the graveyard is still kind of like a cobblestone placeholder, but the idea is there in terms of, I want the gate to frame the crypt. So when you walk in, even though the path kind of squirrels around the different grave sites, you are definitely looking right at that crypt. You can't walk straight at it. You kind of have to do a little curve. I'm going to do a custom tree in there as well. Right now, it's just a skeleton of a tree just to say like, you know, Joel, later on, put tree here. Uh, the gravestones are dense enough that I think it's going to feel like it's a full and used graveyard, but it doesn't feel like a grid. It feels a little bit more natural. Uh, and um, I'm quite happy with it. The, the last thing that I added uh, before I wrapped up the stream on Sunday was there is a staircase inside the crypt that goes down and I have enough room because of how thick the walls are. I've set it up so that the walls are actually three blocks thick uh, from the inside. So I can have like an open crypt sarcophagus, I guess, with like a chest in it, like a double chest to make it look like there could be a coffin in there. Uh, or I had a really great bit of feedback from Archeoplays, uh, who left a, a visual reference in my Discord as well, saying like, if you did it this way, you could make it look like there might be carvings of you know, certain people or certain statures like on top of the sarcophagus that are inside the, the 
the, the crypt, different burials, I think is the term that they use. So that, I mean, it was really, really cool to have that feedback. And I think I have enough room to do it. The trick of course, is that you have to deal with like full meter wide blocks and sometimes walls look good. Sometimes they don't. And so I'm going to have to, to figure that out, but the staircase goes down far enough that I can get well below the surface of the graveyard, which means that I could dig that out and make it into just about anything I want. <laughs> and I'm running out of storage <laughs> in the, in the basement. And if I have to move all that stuff, it might be good to have a very close by, but not visible at all storage room. So I uh -huh. might end up moving my storage room into a, a crypt. Uh, I don't want to create another large decorative project that you just can't see and may not even realize is there that I'm yeah. going to be spending weeks on. So it's probably going to be more utility um, than than not. But I'm excited to just maybe even free up some shulker boxes. You know, like there there could be some utility there. But it was a lot of fun. I, I'm happy with the way that it's turning out. I've done some graves before, uh, and I did it behind the church. And so I'm kind of stealing some of those ideas by having like moss moss carpet and a powdered green concrete I'm making it look like the grass is a little bit different where the graves are mm -hmm. uh, using different stones different headstones uh blocks with walls on top of them look really convincing as as taller gravestones i'm trying to come up with some different levels somebody in chat suggested using pressure plates for like really you know people that maybe weren't very um, rich and they just had they didn't have money for a big gravestone they just have like a little plate in the ground so there's stuff like that that i've done um, and I haven't got into the details. The thing that I, I find frustrating is that like the fences that we have in Minecraft, they work for like farm fences, but they're not the best if you try to put them in decorative situations, like they're, they're very functional. And so right now I'm using stone walls to kind of section off different areas. I kind of wish Minecraft had little white picket fences or, or any kind of picket fence at all. Uh, I, I know I could probably use some iron bars to kind of get some different textures and things. So I'm going to play around with that. I haven't gotten to that level of detail yet, really. Um, but it's been a lot of fun uh, and and a different vibe from things that I've done in the in the last little while. So I was really quite into it on, on Sunday. It was really taking a good stride. I, for one, will advocate for putting storage in a crypt-like situation uh, because my, <laughs> my Empire's Season 2 base had a series of catacombs that was a storage system. And I, I think I, I find that very effective because there's a reason to have a lot of big wooden boxes down there. Uh, so it sort of makes sense, right? Um, yeah, so I, I think that's that's a, a good call, especially if it's going to be a temporary thing. And like you said, you don't want it to turn into some kind of big decorative project that nobody's going to bother walking into a crypt to see if there's anything down there if they're exploring on foot. But still a, a nice touch. And I, I will say there is something to what you said about walking past an area and seeing it multiple times and going you know what i think i know what that's going to be there's something to be said for the patience that goes into the process of working on an area long term and thinking i've got something in mind for that but it's going to have to wait until the rest of the area is built up for it to look good and make sense in context because it does not make any sense whatsoever for you to have started west hill by building this graveyard first even if you exactly look, even if you looked at that plot of land and went you know what perfect for a graveyard put a pin in that come back to it much later because otherwise it's gonna you're gonna have a graveyard and no town and it's gonna look really weird for a while but the way in which you built up this area feels quite organic in the sense that you have a town of this size and then you realize oh yeah they have to be getting their food from somewhere let me build the farms outside of the town let me build the graveyard for you know inevitably people are going to die and they need somewhere to be buried and like stuff like that occurs to you throughout the process of building something on this scale and working with the 
the level of realism that you are. I think it's a, a really good call. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. And it, it's akin to, I forgot to put bathrooms in these places. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> uh, what do I do now? It's the same thing. I, I did the graveyard behind the church and I had the church walled off and there was enough room for four graves. And I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I, there's a lot more than four houses in this village, in this town. Like I need to have a bigger spot for this. And I was like, where do I even put this? And so I didn't want to have another church outside of the town. So one of the ideas I had originally was to have a church on a hill, which you can actually see in the distance in some of the, the wheat field um, screenshots. I thought either a windmill up there or maybe like a church and that was where the graveyard could be. But then that just feels like a trek. So the fact that the church is just inside the East Gate and the, and the graveyard is just outside the East Gate, I thought it made a, a lot of sense in, in that way. But yeah, there's some things that, you know, as you're going through building a town like this that you just forget and the there are these natural happy accidents that you then have to figure out okay well where am i going to put that where is it going to make sense and i think part of the inspiration too is that that section of of land was one of those really janky minecraft um like world generation bits where there, there was a couple of weird little pot lakes in there there mm -hmm. was like weird little overhangs some floating grass blocks like so i had to go in there and work around it anyway and, um, and now that I've done the East farm road that I was working on next to the wheat field, uh, you can now see the graveyard, both the arch, uh, which will be roughly the same height. It'll be different material, but the arch entrance, as well as the crypt can now be seen your entire walk as you're going South down the East farm road. So it's kind of nice that it frames what you're looking at. Cause then you now, instead of the town on the right and nothing on the left, the crypt is on the left so that it kind of kind of ushers you down between you know the graveyard and the town and kind of gets you onto the right road so it's it's worked out and like you said like that patience of like knowing you want something there and either leaving it blank and just kind of like continuously referring to it like this is where i'm going to put the graveyard or in in the uh a way that i've done it before in that i will build like a skeleton like a box with a roof like a pitch and just be like i'm going to put something here and as you continue to walk by that, you go like, that's actually too tall. I'm going to take a block off of that or I'm going to move it. Like, I like it. I'm putting something here, but it's way too close to the road. I need to move it back by five blocks. And by not committing to a giant build and then not being happy with where it is, how it looks, how tall it is, um, I find that that level of like letting it seep into your brain until you're either ready or as you mentioned, you've completed the things on the other side of it. So you know kind of what your boundaries are. Uh, or you just feel inspired. Like I just, I wasn't in the mood to do a graveyard. You know, like I wanted, I was doing a lot of stuff in the town. It was a lot of gray and brown. So the wheat field was great because while I used a lot of stone, I was, it's a lot of color, a lot of green, you know, a lot of, of wheat, you know, planted. And so it was nice to kind of have that break between more stuff inside the town on walls. And, and uh, I think it was the keep that I was working on and the graveyard, it would just be more gray. And so I had that nice break between them. So I'm feeling more inspired to do the graveyard because of that, that break i think yeah yeah makes perfect sense um let's move on into the news uh because we have a couple of things to cover this week nothing too major nothing that we didn't really know about before but uh minecraft live 2023 the countdown is on uh, according to a youtube video uh that they posted to the official minecraft youtube channel we'll have that linked in our show notes and it just reminds you that you can tune into minecraft live on october 15th on youtube or via minecraft.net the show will begin at 5 p.m utc that's 5 p.m for us here in the uk noon eastern time obviously adjust for your time 
time zones accordingly. And at some point this week, we can expect the three mobs for this year's mob vote to be revealed. So looking forward to hearing what those are and potentially talking about them on next week's episode of The Spawn Chunks. The video is kind of a mix of live action and the animated intros with the tiny uh, Vu, Agnes and Jens. So those characters make a return and they're always kind of a, a fan favorite. So it's nice to see those coming back. The other point of news from Minecraft.net is that Minecraft Dungeons has hit 25 million total players and in the same post they confirmed that development has ended. I'll read a couple of quotes from this article to summarize. Today, on the day of Minecraft Dungeons announcement five years ago, we're proud to share that our little game has hit a milestone and passed 25 million unique players. As version 1.17 was Minecraft Dungeons' final update, our team has now moved on to new projects that continue to explore experiences in the Minecraft universe. This means that there are no new features or content updates planned for the game. So to confirm, uh, you can still play Minecraft Dungeons, I think it is still possible to purchase Minecraft Dungeons, and there aren't too many live service elements aside from matchmaking so you can play with friends uh, that are reliant on online play. Um, it's still possible to play the single player campaign, and I think multiplayer is still handled through Xbox and Microsoft servers, so those aren't really going anywhere anytime soon. So uh, yeah, it's still possible to play and enjoy Minecraft Dungeons, but no further updates are going to be planned for the game. And Minecraft Dungeons is part of Xbox Game Pass uh, mm -hmm. and Game Pass Ultimate for PC as well. So like if if you have access to that, then you have access to Dungeons, which is which is great. It includes cross saves as well. Like you can port characters from one to the other. So uh, that's how I played because I first I started on PC uh, playing with you, as a matter of fact, and then um, in other just kind of kicked back and wanted to do something fun on on a, on a late night on the Xbox, but didn't want to come in and game on the computer. You know, uh, I ported over a character and and started play uh, on on the Xbox and have that experience. I think I actually preferred on the Xbox. Now, some of that could be the fact that I've got a giant TV and it looks beautiful. It's a very colorful game, and mm -hmm. I've got those um, uh, Govi uh, LED lights behind my TV that react to the colors on the screen. So because Minecraft Dungeons is so vibrant, like if you shoot a firework rocket, my entire living room lights up. <laughs> and so it, it's a it's a really fun experience on the console. Immersive, so if people have yeah. only played it on PC, then you could really have a lot of fun. And um, I've, I've really enjoyed actually bringing in a friend uh, who has no Minecraft experience whatsoever, knows of the game, but has never played it themselves. Uh, and then join me for some couch co-op uh, uh, on uh dungeons and we just started from the beginning i was like whatever we'll just both start new characters it'll be fine uh had an absolute blast and it was really interesting to see how a non-minecraft player someone who does play video games like big assassin's creed fan uh i don't know how many dungeon crawlers they've played but um it it was really cool to watch how quickly they picked it up and how much fun we had mm -hmm. in minecraft dungeons it's it's a really good couch co-op game yeah, yeah, and I, I played a little bit of co-op, but obviously most of my exploration of dungeons has been single player, and I have really fond memories of it, but honestly, I've rarely dipped into it after the DLC was finished and the story of the game was done, so, you know, the news that it's ceas ceasing development isn't a huge bummer for me, um, and it seems to have had a pretty reasonable lifespan, I think, for a game of its genre, so I think it, it really did what it set out to do, which is which is great on the part of Minecraft Dungeons. The team should be really proud of everything they achieved. And I think it's important too to remind Minecraft players and other survival multiplayer arena games that it's totally normal for games to have a solid run and an end. There's a lot of games 
as a service in this spectrum of games. And I certainly feel like a lot of players of Minecraft end up playing things like Ark Survival Evolved or Fortnite, things that are just like always going and always updating and just kind of like this never ending, I don't want to say grind, but this is never ending kind of feed of stuff. And it's, it's nice when you've got one of the developers of one of those huge games like Minecraft that also has like, oh, here's a finite experience. Like, yeah, this isn't going away because it's failed or it's not earning the money the way that we wanted to. It's going away because like we said what we wanted to say. We think we had a good time. We hope you did, too. And it's done. And then we're going to take that team and focus them on, on something else, which I mean, who knows what that could be, you know, like, and that's fun because you've got now that team, not only, you know, do they have the experience of doing something new and cool within Minecraft, but I'm sure the number of lessons learned and the things that they could apply to either Minecraft or a new IP or like something is it's really, really cool to think of. Yeah. And I, I had a chance to talk to a couple of them at a couple of like Mojang Creator Summits and uh, Lara De Lorenz came onto one of my streams to play the night mode when they released that for their Halloween update the first year. And they've always seemed really enthusiastic about the games that they're making, and so I, I really hope that that enthusiasm carries through into their newer projects. I think it's also a really good time to announce that Minecraft Dungeons has ended development, because there might be some players who are expecting a Minecraft Dungeons update at Minecraft Live this year, and so it sets expectations ahead of time. It lets them know, maybe don't look out for stuff about this game, but get excited about whatever's coming for the base vanilla game of Minecraft and uh, whatever else they have in, ma in mind. I was watching the countdown video, and it had me thinking about something going into Minecraft Live. And I often say like, you know, this is fine. It's pretty kitty. It's kind of like that weird kind of over the top acting presentation for young viewers and yeah, whatnot. Yeah. But I went ahead and looked it up and the average Minecraft player in 2023 is 24 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I'm kind of wondering, like, I understand that you're, you want to sell Minecraft to the gamers that are going to continue to play it for the next 10 years. Like I, I get that. Uh, but I kind of wonder whether... A, a more straightforward presentation would be better and i understand that skits are fun and i don't i don't want to take any fun away from the developers that are participating in minecraft live and they like to do these little jokes and have vubuoy you know bouncing off of a screen and plugging stuff in and electrocuting himself i love the animations Th that kind of stuff and for whatever reason it works really well when it's animated but for me it's a little bit um off-putting when it's like live action um but i'm just i'm wondering I didn't feel outside of the mob countdown last year, I don't think anything was super kid aimed. Like I I feel like the presentations on stage at Minecraft Live were very frank in a, like in a good, pleasant way. It wasn't like it was cold or anything like that, but I felt that it was passionate, but it was adults speaking to adults as, as mm -hmm. opposed to talking down to kids. So um, I'm curious as to how things are going to roll at, um, at Minecraft live this year. I'm wondering if the mob vote is going to remain this little kind of like, this is for the youngins, you know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of one of the things the community has been talking about this week, because a video emerged of uh, Jens Bergenstein, AKA Jeb, uh, speaking at a developer conference. And this video did the rounds because he mentioned a little bit about the mob vote at this year's Minecraft live and 
uh, said he couldn't say much, but the the vote would be between three cute animals. I think is how he put it. Um, and that has led a portion of the community to draw the conclusion that a these are going to be real world animals, and b the vote isn't going to be all that impactful because if you just mention that they are cute animals, you kind of assume that design is going to be prioritized over their utility to the player. Uh, which, for one thing, kind of messes with my golem idea that I've been mentioning the last couple of weeks about how there's going to be a golem and it's going to win. Um, I can't think of anything that I would describe as an animal also being a golem. Whereas I think people are quick to interpret this as, oh, it's just going to be a squirrel that doesn't do anything or whatever. It's just going to be a fluffy, like a, a, a muddy pig kind of thing that, that doesn't really change much about gameplay. But you know, I, I'd, I'd class the sniffer as a cute animal. Like, I don't know how you feel about the, the definition there, but I think original Minecraft creatures can still be cute animals. So there is a little bit of room for innovation there. Oh, I think that's true. I, I think that cute from a character design perspective is usually translated to appeal, right? And you yeah. can have things that are cute and things that are not cute, even though they're the exact same animal you know in terms of like think about your favorite disney movie and think about like a, a lion that you like and a lion that you don't like you know, like the difference between scar and mufasa and the lion king like they're both lions but one of them you really don't like just visually you can just tell bad guy right and i and i think that you know there are people out there that think cows are cute lizards they think are cute uh i would say lizards always seem predatorial to me i don't i, I would call them cool but i wouldn't call them cute mm -hmm. but it's a matter of you know subjective taste um, and I definitely think that there are people out there that think sniffers are cute. And I, and I would agree that they're, they've got an appeal, um, for me as well. Um, I do hope that Mojang brings some sort of value into the game with the new mob suggestions over pure aesthetics, because I don't know, I couldn't predict if you had like a cute little fluffy does nothing, but looks like an anime companion added, you know, like as one of the options. And then another one that was, you know, as cute or sort of cute, but then had a lot of functionality. I don't know that I could predict which one would win. I feel like there are a lot of players out there that would double down on the cute and just be like, I want this. I don't care about your functionality. I want this in the same way that I think there are players out there that's like, I don't care how cute it is. It does nothing. I like, I have no interest in that. And I feel like if that was the path that was taken by the um, presentation from Mojang, I feel like it would divide the player base. Like you would end up with one of them winning and a good chunk of people would just be like, I'm bored. Like, why would I bother with this? Like, I'm really disappointed. So I hope that in addition to the cute that each mob presented has some sort of gameplay value function. Doesn't have to be like a utility, like, you know, the LA, but I mean, the sniffer added a couple different plants and a cool adventure to go get the sniffer. Like it's cute, but it adds some sort of function. I'd imagine that some of it is going to be a new decorative flower block or something along those lines. Um, I, I think it would be neat. You know, I think, I mean, like we don't have, I don't, other than a turtle, we don't really have a reptile in the game. So a lizard actually wouldn't be so bad. You know, um, <laughs> think about, um, is it tangled that has the little chameleon as the sidekick? That, yeah. That, that's her little spirit I, animal. That I've not, I've not seen it, but I, I want to say, yeah, it's tangled. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like snarky and like really lovable. And I and I think that like there could be some fun stuff just, just because it's, you know, uh labeled as cute doesn't mean it has to be like a dog or a cat or a bunny. You know, like I feel like it, it could be something, you know, different. Um it could also be, as we mentioned before, cute but completely imaginary, you know. Um, who knows? I mean, because then the sky's the limit on on that, right? Yeah. On on the flip side as well, I want to consider this as a possibility. If they 
have dealt with criticism in the past from players who say, well, if all of these mobs are going to be useful, why not add all of them, right? And I feel like a lot of the adult players tend to take that angle when they're looking at making this decision. They think, well, if, if each of these things is going to be useful, why not just add all three of them? And so I wonder if as a reaction to that, they could be thinking this year, we'll focus on players making an aesthetic choice between three mobs, which are largely you know, there for aesthetics and not necessarily functionality. And then if we put some of the ideas that we had for mechanics in the game into the next update, then the players who would have argued that the mobs in the mob vote were, you know, all very functional and could all deserve a place in the game, that'll make them happier by making the mob vote realistically not matter all that much and i feel like they're going to get pushed back on it either way because then you're going to have those people still wanting to vote on something but considering most of the options broadly useless so it's Mm -hmm. it's a difficult line to walk but after two years voting on mobs that had very specific utility to them i am curious if they're going in the opposite direction this time yeah i guess we'll have to see yeah we will um and i'm still also hoping that we get a snapshot just after minecraft live like we did for 1.20 because we are potentially going to get a preview of some of the features they have in mind and we'll be talking a bit more about that trying to offer some predictions on what we might see at minecraft live in the main discussion this week but first we're going to move on to chunk mail Uh, this is where we read some listener emails to the show and if you'd like to email the show the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. I'm sure there's going to be lots of speculation and opinions flying in the next couple of weeks, so send them over to our inbox and we'll consider them for reading on the show. Joel, why don't you take this first email? First email comes in from Kokoro Daki, a landscape member of our community, and mob for mob vote. Hello, Pix and Joel. I just listened to episode 264, predicting the mob vote, and Pix's idea about a mob in the end that eats cores fruit sparked an idea. Would you be interested in a mob that casually wanders around the end eating segments of chorus plants that the player has to catch to get some use out of them? Every time the mob eats a segment of chorus plants, it could teleport randomly to another nearby chorus plant. A working name I'm thinking of could be Chorus Leaper. My initial thought was that maybe it would eat the chorus flowers on top of the plant, but then I realized that it may be harder for players to gather the chorus flowers if there aren't many in the area or if they're trying to farm in the end. I also think the mob should go from the top of the plant when eating rather than eating segments that are lower down, causing a bunch of item entities to drop. Perhaps the chorus leaper picks off the top flower of the plant, throws it to the ground as an item, and then eats the next segment down. This could even make a fun mechanic for players trying to gather chorus flowers. Thanks for the great show, y'all. Kokorodaki fell into the void after chasing a chorus leaper off the edge of the end island. I'm thinking giant toad is the first thing that springs to mind. Like, we've already got yeah. frogs in the game, of course, but I, I love the idea of there being this giant... Um, for some reason the one that comes into my mind is in the film Pan's Labyrinth there's this giant frog that lives under a tree that the protagonist has to go and like get an item from or something and yeah I I just think an enormous toad eating chorus flowers and something weird about it something about the biology of it in the end maybe it jumps super high as though there is moon gravity there or something like that would be uh, would be kind of cool but the teleporting around and players catching it to get some use out of it really sounded to me like the rascal which was one of the mobs suggested in last year's mob vote and if i remember correctly you had to catch it to receive an item after which it would teleport away um i really like the idea of spawning a mob like that in the end and linking it to chorus plants because that in a way gives more consistency to the idea of 
which mobs could teleport. If it's something where its diet is chorus fruit and that's what it eats, or maybe chorus flowers with a slightly different effect, but a more controllable one. I like the idea of that being what causes it to teleport around and why the player has to work a little harder to catch it. I like the idea of teleporting around too. Like it sort of reminds me of my brain went to a frog as well, probably because I was thinking tree frog and leaper, I think yeah, in the name yeah, that Kokorodaki suggested makes you think of that. I could, I also thought of maybe like a lemur, you know, like maybe some sort of uh, primate, something like that would be kind of fun. Um, I was also thinking like Futurama toad in my brain in terms of how it looked, you know, kind of orange green eyes. Like I was thinking like some sort of like colors that would reflect the end. Um, and I think also because we mentioned Minecraft dungeons earlier on that like the, the end expansion and the colors therein kind of had my brain kind of percolating. And that kind of has like rainforest, like vibrant amphibian or reptile vibes. And uh, so that's where my brain was going, but also uh Slimer from Ghostbusters uh -huh. I think could be uh, <laughs> like in terms of like, Slimer would like kind of go through walls and kind of pop out and pop in. It was solid when he wanted to and not solid when he wanted to. And I think that, you know, something like this that would kind of vaporize and reappear in different places, especially if it had something fun, like a chuckle, like you can't catch me. Like that would be really fun as you get closer to it and just kind of like munches down and then zips across to something else. And it's kind of clearly you can see it, but now it's 12 blocks away and you can't reach it. Like I, I think that could be very, very fun. And again, we're talking about, you know, these mobs and and the previous comment about things being cute like you could still have something really cute like there are lots of um i i always think about like anime characters that i don't know the names of but like there are these little like non-speaking cartoons that just do nothing but eat and so every time you see them they're just like eating on something and having something that just kind of like appears to have no intelligence but is just like mindlessly eating chorus fruit and teleporting from plant to plant is pretty funny mm -hmm. and i think could qualify as cute like if it was round had big eyes you know and like looked like it was really enjoying eating the chorus fruit like there's all kinds of stuff that you can go down that road with and i like the thought that kokorodaki put into that like saying like oh well wait a minute i don't want it to like cause a bunch of lag by knocking down plants and if if they got into your farm they would be a pest right like people wouldn't want them around if they were knocking down plants before they were done growing and i think that um having it be something sort of like in la where like it's attracted to the flowers and it it doesn't want the flowers it, it knocks them off and then it eats the stem so like it eats the stuff that you don't necessarily want but you want the flowers and it's kind of a neat way to kind of collect something i i like that idea of synergy between player and mob where is it the most effective way to farm something maybe not is it the most fun way to farm something? Probably. And I think that that adds a lot of flavor to Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think it's it's kind of a neat idea. I'm like, my, my, my second suggestion is Chorus Monkey. <laughs> it's kind of like climbing, <laughs> yeah. climbing up to the top like that and, and being able to, uh, to, to munch on the flowers and then eat it from the top down. It makes a lot of sense. It's a, a well-formed idea, so thanks for sending that one in. The next one comes from Tar Cirrus, who is another landscape artist, member of our Discord community, and the subject is Villager Professions. Hi, Johnny and Joel. I like the direction of the new Villager mechanic updates, possibly with a few balance tweaks, and I expect the Weaponsmith and Toolsmith will both get similar updates to the Armorer. But I was thinking about some of the other professions and what biome-specific changes they could have. Shepherds could have the different dye colours available based on biome, and masons could also split the different decorative stones and terracotta colours. But what about the rest of the professions? What sort of biome splits do you think they could have? 
I also want some sort of woodwork villager, mainly for a profession block so I can get efficient with woodcrafting, but they would also be an easy villager to make biome specific with different wood types. I appreciate your voices of reason with this and all the other changes we've had over the years. Tarsiris got lost trying to find a villager buying cherry wood logs. So I don't think all profession trades need to be scattered around into different biomes. Just because a few of them are heading that direction, I don't know if that really warrants everyone having one. The three that come to mind for me are Fletcher, Farmer, and Mason. Like, I don't really feel like I need to go to different biomes to get the things that a farmer offers because you can grow them just about anywhere. And if there were enough different crops, maybe. But Minecraft doesn't have enough food stuff that you plant in the ground to warrant like a, a world trip to get all the different seeds, you know, I, that would be a cool expansion for farming from an RP perspective, but we, you know, we all know that as a food source, it really doesn't matter anymore. So it would be purely decorative plants, decorative crops, that kind of thing. And I mean, that would motivate me, I think, but, uh, at current, you know, situations that's not in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are the word, the three that kind of popped to my mind as, as a no, um, what was your kind of initial reaction to like thinking about going everywhere for all village trades? There's not enough leather goods in the game for the leather worker to have biome specific trades. Um, right. un unless it's colors of dyed armor, at which point I don't think the players are really going to care. Uh, I I've never bought a leather helmet from a villager thinking, yeah, I'm going to use that because it's nice and it's blue. I'm sure there are players who do because obviously, you know, players of all ages and all interest levels play this game. So there might be some people who think, oh yeah, that's a really convenient way to get hold of this type of armor. And I guess if you want it for mini games, if you're trying to split into two teams for something, then having somebody who trades you a set of blue armor is going to make sense. But honestly, there's not really a lot of variety that can be had out of a leather worker, so it doesn't really make any any logical sense. Um, I guess fishermen are also kind of similar, and, and they already had biome-specific trades in the form of being able to sell you different boats. Um, but then outside of that, you know, cod and salmon and the stuff that fishermen are going to buy from you is biomagnostic. They happen everywhere. And if anything, there is differentiation between rivers and oceans, but neither of those are going to have villages, so it doesn't matter all that much anyway. Um, meanwhile, I think maybe like butchers buying raw meat that doesn't appear in their biome, so there's a sense of scarcity that you're then supplying to them. And then maybe selling the local delicacy, like if they're in a, a biome that has rabbits, uh, like a desert village, for example, they could sell rabbit stew and cooked rabbit, where other butchers might end up trading some other types of food instead. I think that starts to make a bit more sense. It starts to imply a lot about the local environment that feels like it is, you know, of a piece with the changes that they've made to uh, some of the other villages so far. Obviously, we already have the cartographer with the variety of maps that they are proposed to be trading that lead you to the different biomes. And I think that's that's a great decision. I don't think cartographers really need to change all that much. Um, and then, yeah, like clerics, I'm not really sure what you could make especially biome specific about some of the professions which are very specialized and typically have the same trades every time you find one of them. I think in some cases, like a cleric has potential if you want to have to maybe bring it to the nether to trade to get something new to unlock. I think they'd have to add some trades into the into the tables. Like, I don't think that, you know, as you mentioned, you know, butcher and fisherman clerics, like as they are, they don't really have enough going on um, 
to have them move around into all kinds of different biomes, but one or two. If you added something new, I could see it, you know, bringing a, a cleric into the nether and then getting some sort of different trade. I don't know what that is. Um, it could be something like rather than curing a cleric from a zombie infection, maybe they give you a discount if you bring them to the nether, as in like, a, wow, you've showed me something cool. I don't know. Um, that is kind of like where my, I guess, interest in it kind of falls off. And I agree that things like librarians that have a lot of trades and cartographers that have a lot of different maps and locations and things, it makes sense for them to be scattered around because they're valuable. And they also, cartographers especially encourage that exploration. They are like hand in hand, the best villager for this kind of thing. And so that to me makes sense. Um, my concern is that if Mojang makes it too inconvenient to trade with villagers for everything, I'd imagine there'll be a, a section of players that just don't bother with it. Yeah. You know, they just, it'll have the opposite effect. Uh, if it's if it's too inconvenient for too little, if the effort put in and the reward out is not good enough, then people are just like, well, this is just I can just I'll deal with just not doing it, you know. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see where it goes. Like I'm I'm not poo pooing the idea, but I I don't know if it's gonna touch every villager profession, which is unfortunate because I I feel like because they've done it there is that expectation set. Well, like, well, if I can do this with one villager, why does the other one just not have it? Um, yeah. And, and I, yeah, so I, I don't know what the solution is there. I do like the idea of a new profession though. I, I don't think that that is something that is above, you know, where we could go with things. I like the idea of adding a woodworking villager. I like the idea of having a, a block that does the same sort of thing for wood that um, the stone cutter does for stone we actually have a data pack on the citadel that does that so like i can put recipes and logs and things into the stone cutter and get the same kind of recipes out of it um at a, a more convenient clip than i can by using the crafting table so um, i could see that being a thing plus then if we had you know a, a directional new profession block that could be used in all kinds of different creative ways you know um compared to like the stone cutter and I think that's something else too that is overlooked about all the different professions. If we talk about adding a new profession, I I would love for them to take the um the profession blocks that we have and allow them to be, you know, directional in certain ways and allow them to be more wildly used, I guess, in terms of decoration and just things like like the cartography table is really cool it has a cool vertical texture but it only works if your house is facing the right way yeah <laughs> and i feel like if if that was something that we could all turn around and play with exactly how we wanted as we can with the barrel you know um a retexture of the fletching table could be really you know useful if we wanted if people wanted to do that like i think there could be some other things added into the villager trade updates that could make it more appealing for a wider um section of players yeah, and I'm kind of curious if there is some expansion to villages or the systems around them coming up at Minecraft Live 2023. So why don't we uh, dive into our main discussion? We've already predicted the mob vote with the uh, previous episode. So what about the main event? And I have a couple of things I want to tick off first of all, uh, because they are really what I've seen of a community wish list, like the kind of stuff that there is buzz about in the community that... Think, I think people are hoping for from Minecraft Live 2023. Um, the first and most obvious of which is an update to the end dimension, which, in my opinion, probably not happening. Uh, don't get me wrong, I think the game needs it, I think the game deserves it, um, but I think since 118, they seem quite keen on updating aspects of the overworld that don't measure up to 
the modern sense of what Minecraft is. Um, and so that's where potentially I'd like to see maybe previous biome vote runners up return and and have a little bit more work put into the overworld before we see more stuff uh, added to the end. Um, and I think the developers have said recently, although I, I struggle to find exactly where this quote came from, but some people have let me know that they heard the developers say something to the tune of, we want to focus on the overworld and making the overworld feel more complete before we do anything to the end. Um, so yeah, like, what, what do you think, Joel? Do you think we're likely to see an end update uh, this time around? Uh, no, I, I mean, I would love one. And for all the reasons that you said, I, I'm definitely in agreement. And uh, I also think that in a little bit of a hint, I think the cute mobs thing kind of suggests we're not going to see anything end related. Uh, I know we argued that there could be something cute and weird in the end, but I think that that general kind of statement of like three cute mobs, I feel like that kind of eliminates the end, at least as uh, anything related to the mobs that are coming in the vote. Um, I, pie in the sky, sure, I'd love to see some stuff in the end, but I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. I do agree, though, that I, I think that lately Mojang has been leaning on updating the overworld, getting things up to snuff, uh, and going from there. I think that's actually one of the things that I, I think is p a potential uh, is, is something like an, uh, an autumnal forest. So leaning on what we did with, you know, cherry groves um, coming in as a decent proof of concept. I admit that this is low hanging fruit and maybe not the most exciting for some people, but I, I feel like with Mojang leaning towards attainable updates, uh, and things that they want to do to improve the overworld that are not giant sweeping projects that take, you know, huge amount of man hours and, and resource. Um, I think that, you know, more color in the overworld would be welcome. Uh, if, if like cherry leaves, the players had control over placing red, orange, and yellow blocks that are made of like leaves. Um, I think that would land really well with players. Um, I think it would be even cooler if we had fallen leaves on the ground, just like pink petals. Um, I don't exactly know how that biome would be implemented, where it would be found, you know, like um, as long as players could have that control of like taking those leaves and putting them elsewhere and having them stay that same color. I, I think that they would open up a lot of landscaping and creative opportunities for, for different people on the con side. It might be leaning a little bit too into that one direction of like cottage core, Stardew Valley, like that kind of thing, which could be seen as a phase or a trend or a fad. And so like that to me is my brain is just kind of going to like where they are going to update the overworld. That's kind of what I'm thinking in terms of, of what we might be getting this time around. Yeah. I mean, looking at the previous biome vote runners up, uh, I think savannas are probably the thing that still deserves it. The most savannas do look a little plain these days. And while there's still a bit of terrain variation that can happen in savannas, I feel like you feel the terrain generation so much more in areas like Badlands, where it extends into mesa plateaus and you get all of the strata of the terracotta and everything. I think that has much more of an effect and, and makes those biomes look more impressive in 118 world generation than it does something like savannas, which just have a grass color that very few people like and very little in the way of their own unique flora and fauna. Uh, so they had baobab trees, termites, and ostriches as the proposed features back in 2018. I would like to see them expanded a little beyond that in the same way that along with the mangrove swamp edition in uh, you know the, the wild update, which was based on the 
biome vote from previous years where uh, you know frogs and a mangrove tree and chest boats were the things that were proposed they didn't say anything about mud and muddy roots and the fact that mud has all of these other mechanics tied to it and then packed mud and mud blocks come out of that and so there is room for if they have the savannah update still in mind there's room for them to kind of expand on some of uh, some of that stuff and make it a little more than just a tree another mob and termites as a mechanical thing um the other runners up from previous biome votes that we haven't seen implemented in the game were badlands and deserts um badlands were going to get vultures i believe and tumbleweed uh whereas deserts had palm trees meerkats and a few other bits and pieces like that honestly like if you're looking for autumnal forest kind of things or if you're looking for additional wood types additional leaf types um, palm trees and deserts maybe even like an oasis sub biome in the same way that the mangrove swamp is not necessarily just a revamp of swamps it's a whole biome in its own right i think stuff like that could still really help the game i think it still feels like a concrete addition that players can look at and go that's something that was added in this update which i think players are having a harder time doing with the features of minecraft 1.20 because a lot of the features are piecemeal they're chiseled bookshelves they're you know different bits and pieces armor trim and stuff like that and then trail ruins as a structure are largely buried so you don't tend to see too much of them uh in day-to-day -day gameplay i wonder if they added palm trees or like you know an oasis or something if they would end up with what would essentially be leaf slabs for palm leaves as a way to differentiate them from just having blocks you know yeah in the shape of a palm tree like there, there could be some really interesting ways that they could take those older minecraft you know uh, update suggestions and and bring them forward um when i think of things like the deserts or badlands that are pretty barren although i like badlands in terms of their geography or ge um, geology i think they're pretty cool um i think of something like a mushroom island that is by intensive purposes compared to other biomes now kind of boring i mean they're unique they're hard to find so they're still special but they're not up to what I would consider, you know, Minecraft 2023 standards. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, we talked last week about wanting mobs and Minecraft to do more fantasy stuff, like not real world updates, but just like update whimsical stuff. I mean, the Mushroom Island is a blank slate. You could do all kinds of weird stuff, you know, because um, there's the move, um, there's the the mushroom cow. There's like there's all kinds of stuff there that you can kind of expand on. Um, there's a lot of spore-like detail and things like the crimson forests and warped forts in the nether that again make the mushroom island feel quite bland in comparison mm -hmm. and I, I think it could be really fun but again like the con of that could be like seen as retreading old ground you know where players would likely be happier with something new uh and all new as opposed to just updating an existing biome and i kind of wonder you know like even though those updates were suggested for desert for badlands you know in the past i wonder whether players would be as excited for an update to deserts as they would be for a brand new biome and like i i, I feel like that's probably a, a tough internal uh discussion at mojang because like like do you want to add something new do you want to retread something i don't i shouldn't say retread do you want to update something that you know is older and feels like it needs an update and how exciting is that and what can you do to make you know that exciting i mean we talk all the time on the show about renewable sand and if a desert update came with renewable sand anybody that would be 
a little ho-hum about the update would be overshadowed, I think, you know, yeah. by by the fact that there would be a mechanic for renewable sand in the game, if that was the case. So there are ways, I think, that you can bring those older things forward and, and have them be more unique. And I mean, I'm definitely of the mind, the more that we talk about this on the show, of moving Minecraft forward. I don't think that I have anything, and this could be just because I've only been playing the game for five or six years, um, maybe a little bit longer, where I don't have like a nostalgia hold on something like the planes biome if they decided to update the planes biome i'm not gonna be like oh you're ruining my og minecraft experience it should it, there should always be something in this game that reminds me of 10 years ago that's not the kind of player that i am and yeah i would much rather it move forward and feel like something new even though they've changed you know little but even the, like if they added different flowers or they did something in planes where it just changed the way that they looked i mean i, I guess a really good example of that would be 118 right but the, that kind of stuff, I think, really moves Minecraft forward. And I think that that's a smarter decision than relying on any kind of nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, I kind of I kind of agree. And there's a lot of stuff that's been added in recent updates that feels like it is still waiting for a bit more expansion. I mean, if, if you take the Ancient City portal as an example, right? Like, it, it seems like the kind of thing that has been added recently and is definitely moving Minecraft in a different direction. And it seems likely that they've been working on or had some internal idea of what the portal means uh, for a while. But portals in this game typically lead somewhere, so if it means adding another dimension or some other area to travel to, I don't know if we'd be getting that with this next update either. It, by, for the same reason that I don't think we're getting an end update. Um, if, if they're still concerned about working on stuff in the overworld before updating an existing dimension that is kind of, again, a blank slate then I doubt they'd be adding a fourth dimension into the game that we could travel to. Um, and and the Ancient City Portal can feasibly be a mechanic other than dimensional travel. You know, we've certainly had, like, listener emails suggesting stuff it could be. But simply the fact that you can't take the entire thing apart, the fact that the, uh, what is it, reinforced deep slate, the, the, the block that makes up the kind of the teeth of the mouth in that portal, um, that not being a breakable movable or you know, pushable block really indicates that it needs to stay there for a reason <laughs> and so i presume we're going to find out that reason sooner or later i just don't know if it's maybe a little too early to be thinking about that because those were really only implemented two updates ago um either way we will see but it's another one of those things that i've said for a while like updating the end can potentially give some players the impression that the game is complete and that's another difficult hurdle to jump for the development team like philosophically speaking players are going to see three dimensions that are full of life or full of you know whatever kind of features they end up stacking into the end and they're going to go well that's it like we don't need any more updates the game is here it's done we can we can play it and it doesn't feel like there are too many more blank areas aside from individual biomes in the overworld that could maybe use a couple of extra things so it, it's, it's a curious balancing act, I think, keeping players interested in future updates when you update something as large and significant as that. Um, the other thing that I've heard from, you know, community uh, wish lists really is some sort of update involving inventory and storage. And we've talked about this a few times on previous shows, and I don't think it would be the focus of an entire update, much as I've seen people insist that it should be. And... This comes with its share of pitfalls, you know, a, a series of viable solutions is really what we need because 
there are no magic bullets for a situation like this. There are very few things that are going to please everybody. I've seen tons of people insist that they have the solution for quote-unquote inventory problems, and it's usually something completely different. Like, everybody who thinks they have a solution for this is thinking in different directions based on what their individual issues with it are. So, easier said than done. <laughs> so, it would have to be multiple things. And I don't know if that necessarily makes a coherent enough and iconic enough theme for an update for them to build around for a presentation like Minecraft Live. But then again, tame though it might be, I'm expecting them to take a similar approach to last year, where we learn a vague update theme, but we see a bunch of small features which are ready for testing. And if some of those small features are something that can help us with inventory management and storage, then I think that's potentially a really good sign. I think testing would be the main reason we wouldn't see a large sweeping inventory themed update. And I, in the way that they've been doing the villager profession trades update and wanting player feedback and using the minor uh, updates uh, as uh, experimental, you know, avenues for that kind of thing. I think that that's what, what they would want with a, a inventory change or a suggested inventory change is that they would want to probably take small steps. Like you said, I don't think it's one thing that, you know, solves everything. I think it's a, a number of, little things and the cool thing about that is that you can just implement them one at a time rather than having a huge conversation with the player base about like here are the 12 changes that we want to make to inventory you can add one to experimental features in a snapshot and get feedback on just that and see is this good is this bad does this help does it help a little does it have a lot that kind of stuff and you know like i i feel like that could be a, a good way to go in so much that i feel like an inventory update might not even make a major update like i feel like that could just be a minor update it could be announced at a major event like minecraft live but i i don't think it would necessarily be in 1.21 like i feel like it could be you know yes this is something we're looking at doing or looking at starting to do you know in 1.21 and i think that that could be an interesting approach and probably the preferred one to get feedback i i do not envy the person that has to manage all the feedback on inventory though like that has to be <laughs> yeah a, just a metric ton of stuff like even, i mean i have my own thoughts too like the thing that i keep on coming back to is like separating a five or six slot inventory for your player tools weapons and handheld items to like free up those slots in your inventory it doesn't seem like a lot but as somebody that has had a jammed inventory for the last like two weeks on stream like just to not have to worry about my pickaxe my shovel uh my rockets and my food you know, uh, and my, and my axe. And if that was just in like a separate, like pop-up wheel or something like that would free up another five or six slots in my inventory that I could use for decorative blocks and things that I want to have on me. And I just don't constantly have to run back to my shulker boxes to get like, it seems like a little thing, but when you start to do that over and over and over and over again, you just realize this is why this stream is taking three hours and why these builds take so long is because you can't efficiently do the thing that you want to set out to do. Um, I don't have a, you know, a, a, a solution for it. And that's just like, oh, this will fix everything. But it'll be curious to see how they, how they roll that out, when they roll that out, if they roll that out. Um, but I, I think that from a technical side of things, like I can't think of too much, like I, they've touched on things like allays, you know, uh, in previous updates, moving items around. I, they've touched on things like the copper golem that was interacting with redstone that didn't get voted in. So like, I don't know from a technical standpoint, what they might be able to update. Like we had an update to 
abandoned mine shafts with 118 where they change the way that they appear and hanging from the ceiling in big caves and how they'll you know interact with lush caves and and dripstone caves and things like that so i would have thought if we were going to get like a technical minecart update it would have come with that but you know i i can't think of anything else technical that they might they might be going for this time around yeah i'm kind of the same i think the other thing that I've got in the back of my mind is a revamp to enchanting and repair mechanics because they've been a little quiet right. on the subject of rebalancing other aspects of enchanting mechanics following these experimental changes to villagers. And I wonder if the next update might revise those mechanics and perhaps shed some light on why they're doing this now. And if they'd been developing that in the background for a while, then it wouldn't seem like a reactionary thing because it's pretty obvious they've had those changes in mind and they'd only really introduced the villager stuff a few weeks or a month or two before Minecraft Live was going to happen, and they already knew it anyway. I, I do wonder at the wisdom of introducing the idea of villager changes, which you can rightly expect to be controversial, and then retroactively justifying them with an enchanting revamp. Um, but that that's just something that kind of crossed my mind. In, in terms of a mechanical revision of something that already exists in the game. I think enchanting and repairs are potentially on the chopping block. This is an internal error on my part, but I honestly equate enchanting and the end in my head. And I huh. don't know why. I like I feel like enchanting and ender chest and the end just kind of like all smash into my brain and like that's all the same. I don't know why, because they're not related at all. Like you can do all of you can do your enchanting without going to the end. Like I I I don't know why that kind of all pushes together it could be just like years of watching youtube content where people get their xp farms in the end and then they use their enchanting table right next to it like yeah it could I, was, be I was gonna ask if your enderman farm has an enchanting setup next to it because that might have been part of it but if that's not how yeah. you have yours set up then uh yeah it does but like it's not it's not that we use it that much because my xp farm the most convenient xp farm and the one that's the most useful for whatever reason is the zombie piglin farm for us in yeah the, yeah sure another and that doesn't have enough space to have an enchanting setup inside of it so yeah there's I mean, there's an anvil but there's like there's nothing else in, in as far as an enchantment goes and yeah like i i feel like i don't know why that i i bring those two together i think it's it could be just that the enchantment table is black. You know, like it's just, it reminds me of the ender chest. It's made of know? obsidian and stuff. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of got a similar it sort could, of it could be that. composition. It could be that. Yeah, I don't know. I just it, I just realized now that I, I, I put those next to each other in my brain. It's like, oh, those are completely separate things. Yeah, yeah. Um, one other thing that I was thinking of sort of loosely off the top of my head, um, dungeons. A lot of people have said that spawner dungeons need some sort of revision to them because they feel like a very old early minecraft thing um back from when they were the only source of mossy cobblestone because you couldn't craft it yet uh so there's potential for expansion there although what exactly they would do with them other than turn them into a little mini structure where you have to explore a little bit and it makes it more challenging to find the spawner itself who knows um but they are still like a very reliable feature of minecraft so i can't imagine them going away just morphing into something that feels more like a feature of the modern game yeah, I mean, I agree that like it's I feel like you and I are on the same page in a lot of ways when it comes to looking ahead. Are are there anything in terms of like unsafe predictions? Like if if Mojang was to completely like left field us in, in a couple of weeks, like what would you say would be like your pie in the sky? That's a real sort of surprise that I would not expect them to do. Uh, some some kind of new dimension. Like I think that's that's the main thing is the, the ancient city portal leading somewhere 
to a to a skulk dimension or to something else kind of remarkable like that um yeah it's it's tricky because it feels like with some of their april fools snapshots they have already explored so much about the potential of the game and almost given reasons why they aren't including stuff like that if you see what i mean like the voting update mm. introduced like a moon dimension that you'd go to which yes was made of end stone that was mechanically rewritten to act as cheese that you could eat and then there was like a self-growing base that you could find a moon lander and it would you know build a structure for you maybe that's a direction they end up heading in maybe there's some sort of like it would be a little laggy on older devices but maybe there is some sort of self-building structure update like a, a flat pack you know ikea furniture that assembles itself uh kind of i mean it's, it's a swedish company it's a swedish game i mean come on um the the, the, <laughs> the, the idea of there being something self-building or something that you know allows players to build a blueprint at home and then bring all of the resources and then assemble stuff like is that too game breaking probably yes it kind of goes against their one block at a time kind of mentality for how players interact with the world but again if we're going left field here they could really surprise us with something like that or you know automated crafting or just breaking one of these established notions of minecraft that we've had in mind for so long that we think they're never going to change the immutable laws of minecraft maybe they make digging straight down safe <laughs> you know um <laughs> but but who knows right that's that's something that we can potentially see out of left field do you have any sort of you know, wacky suggestions that you think there's no way they could possibly pull off even though i know we just got a new rideable mount in the camel because of the focus on overworld exploration with the different changes that they've been implementing and different biomes that they've been adding, but without an update to the end, and knowing that some players never actually go to the end, I wonder if we'll end up getting at some point, either now or in the future, that would knock me out of my socks, a flying mount. Like old school MMO, I don't know, Griffin, like something fantastic. It could be a floating jellyfish. I don't know. But I mean, and that seemed like more something that you might find in the end. But uh, some sort of flying mount to have players move around easier in the overworld. Something in between Elytra and and walking, you know, like just some sort of in between could be really, really interesting. Maybe maybe it's not even a flying mount. Maybe it's a jumping mount, you know, like maybe it's not uh, it's the, it's the Superman of old, you know, leaping over tall buildings, but not necessarily flying. That kind of stuff would be very unique and, and not something that I would expect. Um, the other thing that I was thinking of uh, was to your point about uh, technical stuff in I would love there to be more movement in Minecraft. Uh, anytime you can have water trickle or smoke particles going up in the distance, uh, all that kind of stuff is great. I've seen a lot of videos about the create mod. I don't think that would be as a mod, something that would be added to the game, but if Minecraft added anything that actually moved, you know, like if you put fuel in this thing and it actually moved around and rotated or did like it, increasing the amount of movement and life that happens in a Minecraft world, I would be surprised and impressed if that was the case. And I don't have any real concrete examples other than just like thinking about things like, you know, how people use create mod to then make a rotating windmill, you know, and have it actually move in the distance, like that kind of stuff. I think goes a long way and I don't know how it would be done. I don't know what limitations there would be. I like, I have no clue, but anything like that, 
uh, could be really, really interesting. Even if it's something as simple as like adding a rope and a pulley block and just, you know, if you could just press a button and just pull something up from below, you know, I don't know. It just, that to me, um, especially if it would be something that would interact with redstone would be really, really interesting. I just heard a million grindstones crying out that they will no longer be used as useful pulley winch decorative <laughs> systems. Um, but we will see. Uh, we will get more information about the mob vote aspect of Minecraft Live at least this week. So excited to talk to you folks about that on next week's show. And then the show after that, we're going to have seen everything that is announced at Minecraft Live. We'll be covering it live once again on my Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash But from that point onwards, we'll know what's going on and we'll hopefully be looking at maybe some snapshots some hands-on experience with what's coming next either way for today's episode that's going to wrap up this episode of the spawn chunks you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com the music for the show is composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can do that at patreon.com slash the spawn chunks pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat you can listen to the show live in discord where we record it every week we also had our monthly minecraft audio hangout for september already so you can get in share some of your builds for the october hangout and listen out for our quarterly hangout where we discuss the behind the scenes facts and figures of the podcast as well we're currently at 317 patrons there's a few people have dropped off but that's potentially patreon processing some stuff either way we'd love to get some more people through the door in october and it's likely to be a good week to uh get into playing some minecraft uh special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons hunter 555 jumbo sale mind trip media party voyager and yitz thank you all for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and let them know that they can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and even on YouTube. Be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform. You can email the show once again at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked at the spawnchunks.com. And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where the Minecraft Survival Guide is currently in its third season. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for my aforementioned YouTube series. And I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which took a break this weekend, but everyone was playing decked out so that's pretty much the summary you need you can find that through a quick youtube search and i'm sure it'll be back fairly soon aside from that i'm at pixel riffs on instagram and whatever twitter is calling itself these days joel where can people find you online everything that i'm doing online is at joelduggan.com including a link to the citadel cafe my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment likely looking at the season finale of ahsoka this week you can find me on social media at Joel Duggan and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Thursday through Sunday. Fridays is Lego Days. We're building the UCS X-Wing Starfighter. And the rest of the time, I am moving towards finishing West Hill on the Citadel server. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, which makes it somewhat unpredictable. <laughs>